0: Welcome, everyone, to uh, this session of the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. My name is Dr. Suzanne Lennon. I teach in the Women's Studies program at the University of Lethbridge, and I'm very happy to be here. Um, I will be the moderator for uh, the session today, uh, which is being recorded. I just wanted to remind you that the lunch costs uh, $10, and there is a little basket in the middle of your table that you can just put the money in there. And then for each table to designate someone who will re- be responsible for counting out the cash, <laughs> which will uh, someone will come and collect um, towards the end. SACPA is a volunteer and nonprofit organization which um, depends on the donations of its members and everyone who attends these sessions to continue its work. Um, I'd like to acknowledge the University of Lethbridge for support, including the distribution of the uh, poster announcements, and as well to acknowledge uh, Country Kitchen Catering for preparing our lunch today. Um, so basically, how it's going to run is that we will ha- start with the speaker Mickey Wilson, who will talk till about 12:30, and then we'll have lunch for half an hour. And I would encourage you to talk about what you've heard over lunch, and at 1 o'clock uh, we'll open up the floor for questions and we'll end at one thirty. So uh, to get started, it's my actually great pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Mickey Wilson, um, who is a retired minister and has worked for over 25 years to um, educate the public and uh, work for equality for, for trans and uh, queer people in Alberta and also across Canada. Uh, Mickey has started The first trans uh, support center and resource center in Edmonton Uh, has long been involved in uh, peer education and developing educational materials. He's active with a number of organizations, including being vice president for uh, EGAL Canada as well as the chair of their national trans committee. And he's also the president of the Gay and Lesbian Alliance uh, of Lethbridge and Area. So his talk today is... Transgender in Alberta, Funding Denied, Fired, Forgotten. So please join me in welcoming Mickey Wilson.
1: Thanks. Thanks for your kind words, Suzanne. A number of months ago, when Suzanne invited me to speak, she told me that I needed to come up with a title. A title that framed the subject in public policy. Initially, I'd said trans in Alberta, but I realized that I didn't want anyone to be misled, thinking that I was going to talk about perhaps the impact of increased traffic on our roads. (laughs) So if you remember, I put the gender in brackets so there would be no surprises. From this point, I will probably use the term trans rather than transgender because that's a little less popular now. So, trans in Alberta, funding denied, fired, forgotten. Those are stories of Albertans. And I hope that I can help some of those become your neighbors today. But before that, there's a couple of quick things I need to say. First, whenever I get up and talk about trans subjects outside of the queer community, I feel like I'm at a meeting. I feel like I should start by saying, Hi, my name is Mickey. And I am a transsexual. You can ask me about that later if you want. Um, Secondly, I always speak with a caveat. I am one trans person. I have been an activist and advocate and have been learning and listening and educating for over 25 years. And it is from those places that I will speak. But I assure you that the only truth that I really know is the one that I've lived and although i share with you other voices nothing i say is fixed and the only understand and or the only understanding of these issues i present them to you today for the purpose of communication and dialogue and they should never be considered absolute or immutable okay so now we have 25 minutes i cannot even begin to scratch the surface of this subject in that time in fact a thorough exploration of terms identities myths and history usually takes at least two or three hours. But just to make sure that we all know what we're talking about, I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version in under three minutes. (laughs) The Ontario Human Rights Commission says, one of the great myths of our culture is that at birth, each infant can be identified as distinctly male or female by their sex, and that they have a corresponding masculine or feminine internal sense of identity, their gender, and therefore live lives correspondingly as a man or a woman, their gender expression. For trans people, one or more of those assumptions is incorrect. When a person's gender identity is not congruent with other sex characteristics... That person is said to have a trans identity. The umbrella nature of the term trans or transgender makes it inclusive of a number of different groups, the genderqueer, cross-dressers, transgender, transsexuals, and others. Many, although certainly not all, reject the notion of a binary gender system that says male and female is all there is. So, they mix and match their gender behaviors and characteristics that are associated with men and women. Gender queers almost always reject that binary. Cross-dressers sometimes adopt the dress of the opposite sex, but otherwise they usually present as members of their birth sex. And just as, as an aside, most of them are heterosexual and married. According to the American Psychiatric Association, people with a strong and persistent cross-gender identification are said to have a gender identity disorder. They are commonly called transsexuals. For those with severe gender identity disorders, sex reassignment surgery or gender realignment is the most effective treatment available and is considered medically necessary. Gender identity is not to be confused with sexual orientation. Trans people can be heterosexual, gay, lesbian, or bisexual, just like cisgendered people. There's another term. Cisgendered means the opposite of transgender. So the cisgendered person's birth sex and gender identity match. But all of them Lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and others make up the LGBT and Q, or queer, community. Queer is a term that has been reclaimed by the LGBT community to refer to people who transgress or resist culturally imposed norms of heterosexuality, gender traditionalism, and sometimes even mainstream gay and lesbian values and culture. It is one of a number of words that have been taken back and are now used as an affirmation of difference and diversity. So, you've got all of that, right? (laughs) Seriously, it is a very complex subject, and if you have any questions, jot them down and ask me later, and I'll do my best to explain. But I want to talk particularly today about gaps, absence, reversal, and failure of public policy in the lives of people who are your fellow citizens in this great province and country. I will share bits and pieces of their stories, mostly using fictitious names, but some you will recognize. I'll start with Jane. Jane tells a story about a day in the eighth grade. She was beaten up by schoolmates, and she didn't do anything. Later in life, a group chased her from a bus stop And this time, she decided to say something. When I went to security, they just said, you should learn how to fight. And they laughed at me. Now 48, Jane is a male-to-female transsexual. From an early age, Jane, who was born male, identified as a girl and was threatened for not conforming to her socially assigned gender. Living that way, or living the way that makes her the most comfortable, however, draws stiff penalties from our society. There are harsh social sanctions for not following the gender rules. From schoolyard bullying to street harassment to brutal murders, violence is often a part of the trans experience. Most people who have a gender expression or presentation that is non-conforming or different from the gender they were assigned at birth, have had some experience with violence, with isolation, with discrimination. Jane says, I have no rights. I have no right to freedom from discrimination. I have no right to secure employment. I have no right to a safe place to live. I don't even have the right to go to the washroom in peace. It's amazing that I can sit here in the 21st century in Canada, and say that. Let me say that in a slightly different way. Because I'm a transsexual person, I have no right to legal protection if I get discriminated against for being trans. None at all. How does this happen? It happens because transsexuals and trans people in general are one of the last populations not covered under Canada's human rights legislation. Because of this lack of explicit protections, Vancouver Rape Relief and Women's Shelter was able to exclude Kimberly Nixon simply because she was assigned male at birth. The case was taken all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada, where on February 1st, 2007, the judges who were cisgendered, remember that's the opposite of transgendered, decided to leave trans people in legal limbo they decided that Kimberly was not enough of a woman to work at a woman's shelter. Currently, the Canadian Human Rights Act protects based on 12 listed grounds, but they don't include gender identity or gender expression, both of which are needed to fully protect trans people. There have been a few court rulings that protect transsexual people under the grounds of sex and disability, but the scope of those kinds of protections are really unclear. Providing explicit protection will tell both trans people and society that they are worthy of consideration and inclusion and are, in fact, protected. It will reduce the stigma of being trans and help guide the courts in providing expansive human rights protection. In 1999, the federal government struck a panel to review the Canadian Human Rights Act, led by former Supreme Court Justice Gerard LaForest. In 2000, following a year long uh, national consultation process, the panel released its report, unanimously recommending explicit protections for trans people. The LaForest panel noted that there is currently some protection for trans people under the grounds of sex and disability, but stated to leave the law as it stands would fail to acknowledge the situation of transgendered individuals and allow the issues to remain invisible. It also noted that the legal and symbolic problems um, are in existence with being forced to fit in to the grounds of sex and disability. In 1998, the Supreme Court ruled in the Vereen case that comprehensive human rights protection must not, without reasonable justification, exclude minority groups that are known to need protection. To do so, would violate the Charter. With the release of the La Forest report, it is clear that the Charter requires the inclusion of trans people in the Canadian Human Rights Act. To date, that, that inclusion has not happened. So what does that all really mean for someone like me? What it means is that without formal protections, rights protections, in human rights legislation, judgments regarding discrimination experienced by trans people like me continue to be made on the basis of sex or disability, rather than on the basis of my gender identity or expression. That means that all trans people... Need to construct our identities around that criteria, sex and disability, rather than who we are, which is trans people. And identity is really important. There can be no dispute that in the struggle for validation of their identity, gays and lesbians have seen the law and the consequent social um, recognition and legitimacy of their lives. Um, And their experience as Canadian citizens really changed in the last couple of decades. But gay and lesbian people do not rely on the government to recognize their identity. Your sexual orientation is not on your driver's license. Pull it out if you need to make sure. It's not on your passport. It's not on your birth certificate or any other public identification record. Unless you are entering a same-sex marriage or adopting... Or having children, a person's sexual orientation is purely a private matter, as the government does not collect nor disclose that information. However, trans identities are public. Many trans people must rely on government approval of legal name changes. Birth certificate amendments passport changes, and the updating of social insurance and tax records. Transsexuals and cross-dressers, when they are cross-dressed, must cope with identification documents and public records that out them as trans. The availability of public records on the Internet and through commercial databases increases the likelihood of disclosure. Outing is particularly problematic during the long process of changing sex. But regardless of when it occurs, such disclosures can lead to discrimination or violence against trans people. Passports can be changed with the right documents if you have them. However, vital records regulations are governed by provincial legislation. Vital records amendment policy varies widely across our country. There are different standards about what constitutes sex reassignment and the requirements that are needed for altering those documents. And to complicate it further, there are no standard forms or processes, and even within departments, there are varying interpretations of what those standards are and what that policy means. The result? Many, if not most, Trans people move in and through the world with mixed documents that can lead to potential harassment and violence. And some can never be changed. I'll talk a little bit more about this later, uh, the idea of documents. But as an example, I tried to address my identity on my son's birth certificate. And the solution that I was given was to seal his birth record rather than simply change my identity to parent. So not only are the effects of the problem felt by trans people, but others are forced to live with documents that could out them as having an intimate relationship with a trans person and could expose them to potential harassment and violence too, even children. Of the Kimberly Nixon decision, our friend Jane says, because of this decision, we can be kicked out of any public space, we can be fired simply for the crime of being ourselves, we can be evicted without recourse, and we can be reviled, harassed, and physically attacked merely for daring to use a public washroom. Granted, she said, I'm one of the lucky ones. I'm just another middle-aged woman who happens to blend in well enough that on most days, the very worst that happens to me is someone will get a curious look on their face as they try to fit me into one of the only two boxes they can have in their heads, male or female. So let's look at that problem of two boxes. We could talk about forms, but a mention of it is probably sufficient. Almost every form we encounter in life asks us to check off our sex. 99% of the time, only two are available. Not all of us identify as either male or female. My friend John began to transition six years ago. Partway through the process, he experienced a medical problem that created a delay in the surgical process and may, in fact, prohibit complete surgical transition. John identifies as genderqueer, but certainly is perceived as male as he navigates through the world. But in John's desk, because he dare not carry it in his wallet, is a birth certificate that says John is a female. He can get a new one that has his new name, but because he hasn't completed the amount of surgery the province of his birth requires, he can't get the F changed. And even though John no longer has any breasts or any reproductive organs, and even though he has a mustache and a full beard and is balding and has a deep voice and intends to live that way for the rest of his life, he cannot get his birth certificate altered. So it would read, John, born female. Okay, you say, so what? How often do we use our birth certificates? Well, not too long ago, John needed a new passport. Passports reflect the sex that is on that certificate. Now, fortunately for trans people, Passport Canada has developed a temporary passport to allow for people who are waiting for surgery. They are not supposed to be renewed, but because of the health issue and the delisting issue, some latitude is being granted. That's good for John because he cannot even travel through US customs never mind overseas where punishment might be life, imprisonment, or death to people like us with a passport that reads F with his very male appearance. But what about when that latitude is no longer available? What does the person who is intergendered, which means between male and female, someone like John, what do they do? I want you to listen to another person by the name of Corey, a young, beautiful trans woman who transitioned quite young with the support of her family. She says Some of my trans friends, guys, and especially the girls, are not so lucky. They don't pass, they break somebody's rules about gender expression, and people feel threatened when they're around. When threatened people react, they usually attack, verbally or physically. They can withhold essential services. Stories abound about trans people being refused referrals to competent therapists or even for treatment of everyday issues like ear infections, once it's determined that they're transgender. Let me tell you what happened to me. During my transition, I always said that my greatest fear was to be in a, a car accident. Well, one night, coming home from church, a young man ran a red light, and that nightmare was my reality. In minutes, there were ambulances and backboards, and, and it was crazy. We got to the hospital, and they were concerned I had a neck or a head injury. There were doctors and nurses everywhere. My little cubicle was filled. They asked me for my health card. I said I didn't have it with me. Because it still had my birth name. And it still had an F. And I didn't want to disclose. But they couldn't find me in the system. So my partner, finally, who was in the waiting room with my son, went and told them my name. My birth name. The head of triage said in a loud voice, loud enough for everyone in the waiting room to hear, no wonder we can't find him. Wilson is not a real man. He's a she. My partner was mortified. I didn't hear that, though. I was surrounded by nurses and doctors back buried in the ER. But very soon a nurse came in and said something to one of the other nurses who said something to one of the physicians, and in minutes, they were all gone. I was alone, absolutely alone. After 45 minutes, a porter finally came and took me for a CT scan. The CT scan was fine. So a lone doctor came in to do that head-to-toe thing that is kind of standard when you've been in an accident. He went from my abdomen or from my, my legs to my abdomen. He skipped my pelvis. He went from my abdomen to my shoulders and up through the rest of my head. He never checked for rib injuries or pelvic injuries. My greatest fear was lived out. Inadequate care. But I'll bring it just a little bit closer to home. When we moved here, we needed a new doctor. That happens when you move. You have to have a local physician. I have to have a hormone injection weekly. So I started calling doctors who are listed on the internet as having as, as being willing to take new patients. Not wanting to waste anybody's time because I live out of town. I disclosed that I was transsexual when I called. I made forty-two calls. I phoned forty-two doctors in Lethbridge and was told, no, we don't treat people like you. No call this other doctor, try them, or just no, period. My 43rd call was to a a rural office where I found a doctor who understood the responsibility of that role. More education and awareness about trans people and their medical issues and protocols around them is necessary. Lastly, I want to take a couple of minutes to look at the decision that the Alberta government made to delist reassignment surgery in April of 2009. Very controversial, I know. And we can all see how this decision is ideologically based. But the economics, and the government still argues that it's an economic decision, but the economics fall apart really quickly with very little effort, and I don't have an economics degree. It's not required. I want you to consider that the math doesn't add up. When you look at the numerous costs of cutting 100% of the already limited funding set aside for trans-related treatments, there would be perhaps increased judicial and judicial incarceration costs, because sometimes people will do illegal things when they're trying to raise the tens of thousands of dollars that are necessary to have surgery and pay out of pocket. Hospital beds, emergency treatment, the cost to keep someone locked in a mental health ward if they're a danger to themselves is very expensive, and it drains the system. Those costs haven't been considered. The cost to access psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers within the system for the unemployed and the underemployed because they are on assistance. The cost in lost tax revenue and in employability, just to name a few, So all of these costs are increased in order to save $700,000 a year. Seems ridiculous. Nothing is really saved at all. The cost to each Albertan to maintain these medically necessary services to an already marginalized population was calculated out to be $0.19 per person in this province per annum. What a saving! But the big issue that prevents is that the decision prevents some Albertans from having real citizenship. Citizenship depends on identity documents. But the province's decision to delist services for transsexual people prevents them from obtaining those identity documents. Most people rarely give any thought to obtaining a driver's license. For example, but under Alberta law, a transsexual person must complete certain surgical procedures before being granted a license that is congruent with that person's identity. If an FTM like me, that's female to male transsexual, um, with a beard and a deep voice, wants to have a driver's license that lists him as male, he has to have sex reassignment surgery. Where the congruence comes in is the idea that people will see him and read him as male. Nobody ever guesses that I'm anything other than male, or was anything other than male. But then when he produces the, his identification, it will list him as female. The transe- for the transsexual to access those documents that are congruent, there's a requirement for him to physically transition to some degree. And in Alberta, it's all the way. So for the transsexual to access documents that are congruent, it is tied to that surgery by law and by legislation and by policy. So we can't look at citizenship without looking at documents. And we can't consider people who can't get documents as able to fully participate as citizens. Imagine your life if every single time you went to a gas station or a bar or an airport or a school or a hospital, if every single time you had to pull out your documents, you risked having your medical situation exposed and being put in danger. Lane Manless is a trans sociologist in Edmonton. And he uses the example of a hypothetical married couple obtaining congruent documentation. He explains that for the wife to get a driver's license that says she is female with her female name and her female sex costs about one hundred bucks probably less. For the FTM obtaining congruent identified driver's license requires a legal change of name to start one hundred and forty five bucks plus um, and they have to go get fingerprints. Proof of legally required surgeries for an f to m that ranges between sixty dollars and $100,000, provided there are no complications. And finally, the cost of the driver's license itself. This doesn't include birth certificates, sin cards, transcripts, diplomas, and so on, or the amount of time, or the vast sums of money that are required. For one citizen, cost of, the cost of citizenship is relatively accessible. For the others... It may never happen. The Ontario Human Rights Commission said that there are arguably few groups in society today who are as disadvantaged and disenfranchised as the trans community. Sarah said the lack of visible government support contributes to my marginalization and I can't point to a single public recognition and acceptance of my life and value as a person. So, trans in Alberta... It is truth when I tell you that in fact anywhere in the world it is to be pushed to the fringes of society and be seemingly forgotten. Thank you.